Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A huge engine failure, it appears, for Erica. The smoke funneling out of the back of the car. Stanfield drives by. It's our 2023 PRI preview show with Tony Pedragon. News, rumors, and a whole lot more. And it's Trip Tatum for the first time in his career. 370 flat, 330 miles an hour. One of the biggest weeks of NHRA news drops you'll see in your lifetime is coming up. Bobby Bodie's 074, and he blows the body off the car going through the finish line stripe. Bobby maintains control of the automobile. This is the PRI NHRA Insider. Number 16 is going to take out number one. He left on a, by a day and a half. Both Manson Hines bikes are out, and it is crazy town at Pro Stock Motorcycle. Hey everybody, it's Brian Loans. Welcome back to another episode of the NHRA Insider as we are working our way into the month of December now. The offseason is under full swing as we've been talking about the last few weeks with some of the driver interviews, rider interviews. Uh, We've gotten some interesting information regarding the whereabouts and or not whereabouts of various crew chiefs and crew people. All of that is happening uh, as so much of it is happening now, a lot of it is going to continue to happen through the month of January, of course, and then um, there will be race cars running in about two months from now, um, and then, of course, the NHRA season will be kicking off in March at the Gator Nationals. So, you know, we can sit here and lament our off-season time break. We can sit here and lament the days and the weeks between the races. But as you're going to find out at the PRI show this coming week, um, there is going to be a lot to keep you excitedly awake not staring at the ceiling because you're nervous staring at the ceiling because you're excited and you can't wait to see what is going to happen next this pri show coming this week and i'm not overselling this is going to be among the most news heavy news intensive news interesting gatherings of nhra personalities people and stories that we have had in so many years and it's going to start at 9 a.m on thursday morning live streaming coverage you need to watch on nhra.com yeah, I just I that's all I can tell you. Be on NHRA.com at nine AM Thursday morning to watch the beginning of this deal because the very first thing we talk about is gonna be among the largest announcements that drag racing has had in a very long time. I mean like a legitimate very long time. So there's that. Uh we're gonna be doing the NHRA National Dragster All Star Awards. We had tens of thousands of people vote on these things. It was an unmitigated success this year. So we're going to be giving out our NHRA National Dragster All-Star Team Awards at the PRI show on our PRI stage. That'll be going on throughout the week. We have a lot of categories to recognize, a lot of people that were recognized by our fans as voted by them onto the NHRA National Dragster All-Star Team. So we're going to be doing, uh, doing that among talking about new teams, talking about two new drivers, talking about testing, talking about any number of subjects. Uh, all of that will be part of the stage with myself, Tony Pedragon, and Hannah Rickards handling that uh, handling that deal. Um, I happened to be at Bradenton Motorsports Park last weekend for a race called the Snowbird Outlaw Nationals. It is one of the best pro mod races in the nation. Got to catch up with some pro mod competitors from all different walks of sanctioning body, whether they run the uh, PDRA, the Northeast Outlaw Series, whether they run the Midwest Drag Racing Series. They were all gathered up in Bradenton. We had a spectacular race, a 32-car field with a bump spot in the 360s. This is an eighth-mile race. And uh, we were really trucking along until we had taken our 32-car field down to uh, basically down to the third round, and then the rain came. And so it washed out. But the uh, the big money $52,000 purse was divided among those who were left, and we're going to finish that 
eliminations anyway, in qualifying for the U.S. Street Nationals in late January. But it was a great event. And to me, it's the last real big heads-up drag race of the year. There's some more bracket racing to be done around Christmas. Um, there is, of course, uh, grudge racing and stuff that goes on nonstop. But in terms of a big traditional drag racing event, the Outlaw Snowbird Nationals or Snowbird Outlaw Nationals represent to me the kind of capper on the season, the exclamation point, and it was a really great way to uh, to close out my year of race announcing anyway well not technically over but uh, we'll get up to that in the next couple of weeks um so yeah this is a this is basically a PRI, pri preview show you know it's, it's a very difficult week to get guests because well everybody's either transiting to pri in meetings around pri or simply busy with the work they need to complete before the show i reached out to a bunch of crew chiefs i was planning on having a crew chief episode here this week and every one of them was like dude can we wait a week because i got this going on and i got that going on that's a good sign. As it can be slightly frustrating on my end lining up guests, it is a good sign because it means the business of drag racing continues unabated. It means the work that's being done in these shops is important. It means the work that needs their concentration, whether it's with sponsors, whether it's with their new teams, whether it's with their existing teams. Um, these are people that are busy. And, you know, as weird as it is to say, the busier those crew chiefs are, the healthier our sport is. And that is... Um, an indication that they are very, very busy. So that's uh, that's obviously a good thing. Um, you know, I think Tony and I are going to touch on a lot of subjects. I don't want to go too far down the PRI road because uh, by myself and the monologue here because Tony's uh, going to be bringing some insight on that front as well. And uh, I just cannot stress enough to you, you need to be watching the NHRA.com coverage. Um, it Whether it's news releases that are coming out or you can watch the interviews live, we're going to be throwing haymakers out there, and it's going to make you excited. And I'm, I'm already excited. Uh, obviously, the, the title of the show is NHRA Insider, so uh, obviously you get a little bit of an advanced peek on some of this stuff. And um, let's just say it's it's it'll have you grinning. It'll have you smiling. It'll have you uh, maybe even piss, uh, fist pumping. And um, that is something that uh, I can guarantee, as the Gallup and Gourmet used to say. Without further ado, let's get Tony Pedregon on the show and get this thing kicked off because he knows stuff that I don't. I know stuff that he doesn't. We're going to try to share as much of that as we can. Right after this, Tony Pedregon joins me on the NHRA Insider Podcast. All right, I'm joined by this week's guest on our PRI Week preview show, Tony Pedregon. What's going on, man? Good morning. Uh, just when you thought the season was over, they just pull us right back in. <laughs> they do. I, I always look forward to PRI Week. Um, you know, the show itself is always cool. It's it's a way different vibe than SEMA, where you know there's not necessarily like neon underglow lights for your Honda Pilot. Like it's all race car parts and race car people. <laughs> um, and you know, I'm looking forward to it as well because we're gonna have um, you know we're gonna have plenty of news to break this week, which is pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, I think a lot of people are looking forward to it. I think a lot of teams are looking forward to making some of those announcements on the stage, you know, in Top Fuel, Funny Car, and and really across the uh, across all the pro categories. And there's a lot of shuffling, you know, and every year it seems like, wow, we're seeing a little more and hearing a little more than we did the previous year. I don't know if that's the case, but there there sure are going to be a lot of a lot of shuffling around with a lot of the pro teams. Yeah, we've had a couple of pretty busy off-seasons like the last few years, but to me – um, you know, not to just be the total, you know, tease guy here, but the reality is the stuff that you and I know is coming next week is big enough that I think it's going it, to, it's all very positive news and it's going to rock some people um, the right way. But before we go down that road, uh, one of the things that uh, people were pretty kind of astonished about was that, you know, Leah Pruitt went out and tested a car 
um, on a Wednesday about basically a week ago. At, it was 40-something degrees. What did you hear about that test, and did they get what they were looking for? Well, I didn't hear a lot. I think it was uh, somewhat of a closed session. Uh, you know, I know there seems to be an announcement coming. I'm sure that's going to be uh, interesting, to say the least. Yeah. Um, you know, so you wonder if, if you know, of course, everyone is uh, – at this stage where, you know, some are going to be starting with what they left with. Uh, of course, there's a lot of, you know, the, the business of racing never stops and it never continues to evolve. And these tuners, you know, specifically, they, at this time of the year, you know, they're trying to innovate. They're looking at what they did right, what they could have improved. And the improvement is really what intrigues them more than anything yeah. at, at the consistency and any performance, uh, enhancement on the racetrack so was it new parts there's of course a new rule a revised rule for the top fuel cars that is going to increase the the wall thickness of the chromoly tubing from the footbox forward so you know that could have been something a 45 degree day you're not going to learn a lot uh, in terms of the engine combination because it's you know it's so extremely cold and the density altitude is just off the charts but you know, the sun was out, so that puts the track temperature at, let's say it was 60 degrees on the track. Still extraordinary, but, <clears throat> you know, from what I understand, they were just making uh, short launches. Gotcha. And whatever they can learn in terms of whether it's parts or whether how the, the chassis acts, you know, uh, if you can get it to hook up for those initial 60 feet, you can learn something. And it gets it gives them a jump on what they're going to do when they go to West Palm to test in Florida. Yeah, it's interesting, um, you know, to me, that that idea and that, that tubing change is, is likely, you know, at least it seems on paper, like it would stiffen the front of the car. Now, at least my understanding of a top fuel chassis is that the area from basically where the driver's feet are to where the driver's backside is is regulated in terms of its construction it has to be the uprights have to be in certain places the hoop has to be in a certain place all that stuff but before and after that my understanding anyway is that you can be um you can you can come up with your own design now you have to use that 58 wall tubing so do you think that the cars will be stiffer because of the 58 wall tubing and people maintain building it the same way, or do you think people will figure out how to build the front of those cars, even with the thicker tubing and allow them to twist with maybe less uprights or diagonals? Well, I think everyone's gotten to the point that they, they understand and realize that, you know, that that's a very critical area. You know, I think you go back years ago, we saw plenty of cars break, you know, some yeah, of that was yeah. due to the stress that, it, you know, the hot spots that those chassis are subjected to. So uh, I don't think they're going to compromise in those areas. However, they do look for, you know, in the way of design, any anything that is going to help that chassis flex. Because, of course, yeah. the more it flexes, the more it allows them to distribute and transfer weight to those rear tires. That means increased traction. Um, so it, it should the question is, is how much will it stiffen it up? Uh, I think that uh, there may be one or two teams that know. Uh, Clay Milliken, of course, when they had some of their chassis issues, when they had the tire go down, or rather when they first, they, they damaged their car from the wheel stand, and then the next race uh, they damaged, they took the yeah the tire the went tire, down. Yeah. The tire went down, so they may have put a couple of runs on that increased tubing at the finals so yeah. they may they may have some of that valuable uh feedback that you know some of the teams or all the teams are going to be looking for so everybody's going to be front halfing their cars 
maybe a team like Torrance may have had one in the trailer. Uh, whether or not they put any runs on it, I'm not sure of. You know, we'll try to gather this information. But, you know, it's definitely something that is worth looking at because I think all of these tuners are just going to want as many runs, as much data on that change as, uh, as they can get going into the new season. So, you know, one of the things I learned over the last two weeks, Tony, is that I do not need you as part of the show to get myself in trouble. Uh, I managed to do that all on my own, which was great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> talking about so once, I was glad I wasn't on that. <laughs> show. Were, I know you were totally, you were totally absolved of this whole thing. It was crazy. Um, you know, talking about some of the rumors I've been listening to, and and I, I had, I only got really, I got pushback on two of them. Uh, one of them, which was which was the, the most gentle pushback, was Josh Hart saying, "Hey, man, I know you might have heard Ronnie Thompson was coming to my team, but I have not hired anybody full time at this point yet." Um, so that the Ronnie Thompson to Josh Hart rumor was apparently a swing and a miss. Um, the most updated stuff I have heard so far is that Ryan Elliott is going to work as Rob Wendland's kind of second in command on the new Sean Reed team. And, you know, the, there's been some cryptic announcements made over at John Force Racing, but my understanding is that John Collins is going to be working with David Grubnick now on Brittany's car. Those are the two that I've heard so far this week. Well, those are the rumblings, you know, and, and respectfully, we want to allow all of these teams to make their announcements. But, you know, some of them, uh, you know, and it's okay that we, we talk about it. Uh, it's funny that you did hit on one of those. I'm not going to mention any names, but... You were right on one. You were a little bit off yeah. on another. But I think what's going to be interesting is it's safe to say that we know there are changes with the Sean Langdon car and that team. Yeah. Uh, you know, we know that there's going to be shuffling with Cruz's team. There already has been. There already are some new faces at the shop. You know, the little uh, miscommunication. I think what it comes down to is I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised at what Cruz uh assembles i and, and i i have some insight and again you know just out of respect for them yeah. to make those announcements and to continue and, and you know to to finalize uh you know some of the things some of the changes that they're making but you know when it's all said and done yeah you know i think it's it's going to be a good thing i think experience is always good you know what john medlin could have potentially brought to that what he brings to the poly operation is is um you know, it, it comes with experience and, and not just experience, but there's a wealth of knowledge. There's an abundance. There's a, a, a pedigree of winning championships. And, and I think anyone in this industry wouldn't argue that John Medlin is is definitely one of the, the brighter minds. And you go back in history to this day, he has always, uh, you know, contributed in a lot of different ways yeah. to the sport. So if he contri contributes to the sport, he is definitely going to contribute you know, to Paul Lee or continue to contribute to Paul Lee, um, you know, but as it relates to Cruz, I think, I think people will be maybe shocked. They might be amazed, but when it's all said and done, I think the competition is probably going to be put on, on a high alert because I think that there will be some improvements with that team. And, you know, I think what's another thing that's interesting is going to be some of the changes with Jim, Jim Dunn's operation. Yes. You know, we're here yes. rumbling that, you know, that Alex Laughlin may, not be in that seat and and maybe maybe someone else uh, you know with with some good potential that may be able to contribute to that team in a different way so a lot of these things are what will likely unfold at pri and that's the reason that people should tune in yes to the stream if they can't make it there and they should go there but if not we'll be streaming it yeah we'll be streaming all week on nhra.com and the other one i'm just going to throw out there is that is that i heard of, of 
I mentioned it the show last week, and just so I can continue because I brought it up last week, Max Savage uh, left John Forrest Racing at the time. I said last week I wasn't sure whether or not uh, he was due to stay in the sport, but uh, my understanding is that he will be one of the people involved with Sean Langdon's car um, making the migration to Coletta Motorsports. Yeah, and there may be shuffling. Uh, yeah. From what I understand, there may be, you know, he's he's going there. He may end up on Doug's car. There, there gotcha. may, you know, whether this is accurate or not, um, you know, I think I think it's all for the good. You know, when we, we've talked about Langdon's car and the competitiveness or lack of, you know, plenty. There's a good car. There's a team with all the resources, and the expectations should be more when it comes to that car. I think that, you know, Sean can can definitely be a high-caliber driver. Uh, I think that he seemed to fall a little bit short of that over the you know the, the the latter part of the season but what happens is you know these drivers they get out of sync with their car you know they 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 feel that they have to make up some of the difference yeah there's there's a lack of consistency and so the driver kind of finds themselves you know all over the map um but typically we expect a driver like sean langdon to be able to compete with the justin ashley with his teammate doug uh, at a high level, and and he hadn't been. You know, Antron Brown is is another driver that when they get it right, you know, those drivers, you know, you fully expect for them to be in the hunt. And whether it's the car, the car's performing, the drivers not. Most of the time, for those drivers that I mentioned, it's it's the drivers that compete at a high level, and they just haven't had the car that they've needed yeah. to you know to contend. Yeah, listen, it was a it was a 374 375 car when it when it was good to be one of those during the year, but the unfortunately for them that was a handful of times because then it was a 374 375 car everywhere else and uh, that was really where they to me where the problem was they just could never really find it and they did occasionally dip into the 60s but it, it came very rarely so obviously the uh, concentration will be on you know maybe getting a little more aggressive and finding some more performance out of that race car um you know when when we talk about this and 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 we kind of go through this this timeline and, and because you've lived it and i think people at home may not get it and i don't know if i fully get it when you have a situation like okay the official announcements that have been made already where people are going here and people are doing this. What is like the first, let's call it month of that transition like? When a new crew chief walks into the building, what does the first month look like of that process? Because we don't have that much time until these cars are going down a racetrack again. Well, it all depends on who it is and and the level of experience. But but I can tell you one thing that always happens, and, and this is there's a little humor in this. There, there's something to it. What the science is, I don't know. But anytime that, that you, you you swap people out and you reassemble new people, you hope that they come with a level of experience. You hope that they know exactly what they're doing. The, the toughest part is when, you, when you're bringing your new crew members and you hope that you have someone that can oversee and supervise them because yeah. a lot of what they do now, starting a week ago, we're going to see it rear its head on the racetrack. Uh, and forget yeah. about testing. When we go to the Gator Nationals, you're going to see some of those gaps, if there are any. Some of the teams that are very polished, you look at you know Tony Stewart's team where there's not a lot of rollover, you know, Ron Caps. I, I think there's going to be minimal changes with some of these teams. You, you know, we yeah. fully expect them to be competitive. If they're testing and r and and trying some different clutch discs, we may not see the consistency right away, but 
make no mistake about it, we're going to see some performance right out of the gate, given the right conditions. But one thing that, that is very consistent is when you bring new people in, they always they have a different way of doing things. They always seem to find something wrong with however someone was CCing the cylinder heads. They do it differently. Now, whether it's right or wrong, right. they always, <laughs> right. they always right. find something. Well, they were doing this with the superchargers, and you know you should be doing it this way. So everyone has a different way of doing things and and you know that could be an exciting thing when you do discover some some problems but make no mistake about it with all these changes what you want is you want experience you want knowledge and you want people you know that that can go into an operation and be very specific and then you have to look over your shoulder and watch and be able to help and supervise and that's the that's the value of, of chemistry and a good team because when you don't have people working together and you just send someone off and give them instructions and say we want you to do this this and this they're going to spend the next two months doing that and they may may not be doing it the proper way so right. those are some right. mistakes that, that tend to rear their head you know when when a lot of these teams load the trailers and go off testing may not see it right away but just so those are some of the gaps that that happen when you you know when you cycle out uh, you know different people one of the things uh, I think that's interesting and and I think what's going to become very clear to the uh, drag racing fan base this week over the course of PRI with some of these announcements and and again I'm telling you right now for those of you at home listening to this there's going to be at least three to five of these things that are coming that you have no clue that are coming and uh, I would, you know, kind of lose my job, and Tony would lose his if we ran our mouths at this point about it because we're so close. But uh, I- I'm not kidding you in the fact that there are some things that are going to be talked about and announced this week that will absolutely blow your your freaking mind. But um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, when when we look at this, you know, the top fuel category, we're we're getting to a point that I've never actually experienced since I've worked in professional drag racing, where you know, by the end of this week, there'll be enough announcements that will equate to the fact that we're going to have close to 16 full-time top fuel cars now we need uh because we're selfish we need more funny cars so what is your opinion why do you think right now top fuel is kind of the the hot category in terms of car count out of the two it, it always seems to to go up and down yeah it, it, it you know i i think there was a time where we saw we saw a lot of funny cars yeah but you know when you break it down in terms of cost you know the top fuel car there's a few reasons i think for that the top fuel car of course is it's not as much of a challenge to drive you know there are uh, some people that just they they want to feel that they are a little bit safer yep uh not directly behind the engine in harm's way uh there's the physical uh, so there's that's the mental aspect of it there's a physical part of it that the funny car is harder to drive it's it's, a, it's more of a handful other than uh, not limited to the risk sure. that, that comes with it uh, so it's more challenging to drive. And then there's the cost. There's the cost that is attached to that because, you know, a top fuel car, you have that rear ring, wing spoiler that you have to, you know, that's a, whatever the cost of that is. Let's say it's a, a $6,000 item. It could be more now. But, you know, you gauge that. But let's say it's 10000 Let's just exaggerate. Sure, it may sure. well be over 10000 by the time you factor in the strut and the material and the other elements and the spill plates. But you gauge that to a funny car body, and that you know that's in excess of, of fifty thousand dollars. Now you're going to find some used ones occasionally that you can get a deal on. But if you're going to buy a new funny car body, and you're going to you know p- uh, put the install the infrastructure, the tin work is what they call it, 
you know, you're looking at over $50,000 and then there's the maintenance that goes along with it. And there's the added weight. But I think there's a couple of reasons that may factor into why the top fuel car is preferred over a nitro funny car. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And and what is in, uh, in that, do you think the feeder system of injected nitro dragsters is also moving this forward in terms of, you know, people feel comfortable, even though the car is much faster in top fuel, procedurally it's kind of the same you're putting pumps on the high side you're stepping off a clutch pedal before you stage it you're doing the basic things do you think that feeder system is also helping yeah i i um you know there's also the fact that if if you don't have a lot of experience you're more likely to have instant success in a top fuel car than you are a funny car funny car will get you in trouble real quick yeah um and then also brian there's also the fact that you know when you break down crew members you may need one less because you might need a, a full-fledged, what they call a body and tire crew okay. uh, person that is going to maintenance it. So, you know, that, that just adds to the cost. But, you know, when you look at funny cars, I think one of the things that may move the needle is the injected, uh, the injected alcohol funny car, rather the yeah. injected nitro car that's going to compete in the top alcohol funny car category. So, you know, the injected series, yes, that does help because – We've seen a lot of drivers make that transition from ejected, injected or a top alcohol dragster into a top fuel car because that transition, it just seems so much more seamless. Um, so maybe down the road, and hopefully we see more of those nitro-injected funny cars surface, pretty sure that we will. But it, how good would that be to see four of them in competition instead of just the two from mixed steel? Of course, we know Randy Meyer has one and Anthony DeCero. They, mixed steel and Anthony ran their cars uh, with Tommy Johnson driving at the U.S. Nationals. But how cool would that be to see a couple more cars surface and, and compete at the Gator Nationals? Yeah, all indications are, and I don't know if they'll be at the Gators, but all indications are I think we're going to see another at least three or four of those appear this year. And and it was something that struck me because you and I had talked about it where you know they those guys in the injected cars are running the big full-on nitro funny car bodies. They're not running the smaller, you know, the five-star Camaro body that everybody else runs. But in my mind... I'm almost wondering if that would make a transition easier. Like if I'm an injected guy and I want to run this car injected for a few years and I have designs on going to the next level and actually running as a full-on blown nitro funny car, at that point, everything I need is in place, right? I have to upgrade my fuel system. I have to upgrade the motor. But in terms of the hard parts and the clutch, but I have the chassis and I have the body that I need to make that step up. So maybe that is is a long-term approach to put the big body on it. Maybe cost yourself a little bit in the A-fuel ranks, but... Uh, ultimately be able to use it as a as a full-blown nitro funny car well we've already seen that we've seen that transit a transition not necessarily from the injected funny car but we saw that with jason rupert we saw yes. it with tony gerardo we've yep. seen that with the mac attack car. we've seen a lot of that transition from the nostalgia car into the what they call the big show the nitro funny car so I, I think we can expect more of that we just need to see more of those cars we need to see them get competitive and, and then you just need to give it a little bit of time because, yeah. you know, there again, it's going to be a natural transition for someone to get out of one of those cars and, and into a nitro funny car. So, you know, one last topic I want to, I want to touch on before we get, uh, before we get ourselves prepared for PRI and, and I head out to meet you out there in Indianapolis. Um, in terms of the scope of this off season, you know, as you're looking at some of the stuff we're going to be talking about, as you're hearing stuff, where do you think this one falls? To me, it feels 
and it will feel even busier when we get to PRI, but this one feels pretty big. I think Mission Foods coming in, it's one of these you know feel-good stories that we haven't even really begun to experience yet. We will next year. Um, some of these names and stories we're going to talk about at PRI, to me, it's a, it's a very good build for us in this offseason. It is, and it's going to take a little bit of time. I mean, the yeah. news was great, uh, but until things get set into motion – until we see that activation, we see that engagement with the drivers, um, you know, then, then we see that, that needle. It's like putting gas in your car. It's like, yes. how, much am I, how much am I putting? I want to see that needle move. And when we see the end result is in the activation, when we see more people come to the races, we see a lot of these drivers out there in the streets, in the fields, in those retail outlets, where Mission Foods are, when they take us there and when we go there and we're able to showcase and highlight some of these superstars of our sport, um, you know, and then NHRA is going to, you know, it's kind of like a shotgun effect. And NHRA is going to do their job. We're going to do our job on the TV, on the TV side, on the TV show. And then we have all these drivers pushing and all these changes being made. Then when, when you have all these different, you know, sides pushing in the same direction i, I think uh, hopefully the same time next year we'll be talking about the increase in the show the increase in attendance and and just you know some of the highlights that are a result of all of these things happening at the same time yeah and one of the things we're going to be able to do this year on the stage that we have not done before it was the brainchild of phil burgess was the uh, the national dragster all-star team awards which you know, for many, many years, um, among the largest, most prestigious things you could earn in drag racing was a spot on the Carcraft All-Star team. And, and they had all these different categories. They did sportsman awards. They did pro awards. And so Phil uh, really pushed hard to start to bring something like that back. And, and we did it for the first time, and it was a public vote. And you and I are going to be able to kind of bestow these honors on people. I think it's kind of cool. I think it's something that um, we should have been doing for a long time. I'm glad that Phil pushed for it to make it happen, and it definitely, to me, starts a throwback to those CarCraft days when, you know, when you won the Ollie Award or you won a CarCraft All-Star Team berth, that was a huge deal. It really is, and, and it, it it really develops some additional awareness yeah. uh, from from com- just some completely different space. It's like the Crew Chief Award. Now, I don't think any of them saw that coming, right? The, yeah element of surprise but now the crews themselves have incentive they have something to look forward to they're going to be tracking that they're going to be working harder doing things differently because i don't think they realize what the formula is but consistency is part of that and if you do your job in the pits it shows on the racetrack so i think there's a lot of good things that are happening at the same time and um it's just it's a it's a good time it just seems like these off seasons even though it's longer right technically it's longer because we don't start in the middle of february we start in the march. first week yeah. of march but it just seems like they're getting shorter and shorter and that's a good thing that means that all these teams are at work there's a lot of moving parts to it um you know really over the thanksgiving holiday there just there was a little bit of time off but you know a lot of shuffling a lot of these new a lot of the changes that that have happened not all of them but a lot of them those that personnel is already in the shop uh some of them may not have announced it but for the most part most of them have the direction that they need and make no mistake about it before the holidays they're going to get going on all of their off-season projects and it's going to be in full swing by the time the holidays are done 
Sounds good, man. We're going to be in full swing uh, as of tomorrow. I'm going to fly out there and meet you. We have a, uh, a dinner meeting with our uh, our overlords from Fox, which is going to be good. Uh, I don't. They're not. They're not taking us to a dark Italian place where they're going to bring us to a back room and have some muffled gunshots, which is a good thing. But no, it's going to be great to uh, start to work on our 2024 production planning and uh, really set the wheels in motion. So. I'll see you out there, man. It's going to be good, and uh, it's going to be unseasonably warm. No snow this year, PRI and Indy. Well, I've walked around, and I, I mentioned to a friend of mine in, on the West Coast, I said, it's going to be nice. He said, what does that matter? It's all indoors. Well, when you walk <laughs> yeah. outside, you go into shock because it's 20 degrees. <laughs> it's going to be in the low 50s, uh, maybe rain one of those days. But for a PRI show, it's going to be great. It's not Orlando, Florida, but it is, it is one of the hubs, the racing hubs. And um, we call it the racing hub. I know Charlotte will push back on on that a little bit, but uh, it's going to be good. Weather's going to be great, and um, look forward to seeing you. All right, Tony, catch you soon. And so there is a kind of cryptic look into what the upcoming week will look like at the PRI show in Indianapolis. Tony and I, along with Hannah Rickards, will be on the NHRA stage. We have the NHRA National Dragster All-Star Awards and an absolute plethora of breaking news announcements that will keep you uh, on the edge of your seat Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That is the length of the show. Uh, We also have a National Track Operators Consortium going on that the NHRA is helping to put on. Got to be a gathering of drag strip operators from all over the country to work on uh, the basics of running racetracks, the the things that we can do better as an industry. Um, It is not about preaching the NHRA message as much as it is about getting track operators from all sanctioning bodies in the same room together and working on the things that are affecting all of us um, in both positive and negative ways. We have racers on panels. We have media people on panels. We have just a generalized gathering of the smartest people in drag racing together in one place, and it's going to be a really beneficial thing, I think, for the sport and everybody that decides to attend. As always, thank you for listening to the NHRA Insider Podcast. Cannot wait to get back on the air with you guys next week and give you more depth and insight into all the news that's about to break at PRI. It is uh, it is going to be a PRI show for the books. That's all I can say, and I promise you I am not overselling it. Tune in to NHRA.com all week long for our live streaming coverage of the PRI show. And if you can only watch for a minute, 9 a.m. on Thursday, you need to be watching. The world of drag racing will change forever, and I ain't kidding. I'm Brian Loans, and I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening.